Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is off for a well-deserved break this week. So Bernie's taking your calls 0818 103 103. Anything you want to share with us, you can text in WhatsApp. I can already see texts and WhatsApps already coming into us. Uh, keep them coming 0862 103 103. Anything you want to share with us. And where can we start this morning when you're going through the papers except looking at the awful tragedies that happened over the weekend and you know I was thinking particularly yesterday as the story out of Dublin was unfolding you know so many people are concerned and worried about cost of living crisis and energy bills and how high are the electricity bills going to go and you know people are rightly so to be worried and then others worry about the smallest and the silliest of things but it's when you look at the tragedies that happened at the weekend it kind of puts it all into perspective, doesn't it? And you kind of think, God, oh, some families really just have such difficult crosses uh, to bear. And of course, all of the papers this morning have photographs of the little twins, Christy and Chelsea Cawley, uh, just eight. And they're photographed from last May on their first Holy Communion Day. And both of them are looking so innocent and so beautifully turned out for their first Holy Communion Day and then photographs of their very style conscious 18 year old their big sister uh, Lisa Cash and of course all three of them died following that very very violent assault at their home in Tala in the early hours of a yesterday morning it's truly shocking a lot of the papers today have a lot more detail of what went on inside in that house um, and I'm not going to get into it for various obvious uh, obvious reasons, but if, there's a lot more detail now uh, coming out. But it's just truly, truly shocking. And, you know, you think of, well, first of all, you think of the family and, and how the family are coping uh, today. But also thinking of the local community in Tala. They're a very tight-knit uh, community. And you could see by the dozens upon dozens of floral tributes that were being left close to the scene of the tragedy yesterday and children in particular writing notes to their friends to little Christy and to uh, Chelsea and people you know leaving messages like fly high little angels our hearts are broken for all of you so we think of the community as well and those children 
who will be heading into school or they'll be in school this morning and very difficult for parents to have to explain to them why two little eight-year-olds are not going to be in the classroom with them uh, today and I know the schools are offering and the, lots of support and will be offering lots of support to all of the children uh, today and the incidents has been described by Gardi as violent, challenging and very, very traumatic. So traumatic, it seems, that the force members who are present at the scene have all now been provided with welfare supports and uh, with counselling. So we think of of the Gardaí and the first responders who would have turned up at that awful, awful uh, scene uh, in the early hours of yesterday morning. And the country, while that unfolded, while we woke up to that yesterday, the country was already coming to terms and people were very saddened uh, to hear about the death of young Jack de Bromhead because that story had broken on uh, Saturday evening and his parents have spoken of their grief at the tragic death of their extraordinary beautiful son and needless to say all of the papers have gorgeous photographs of young Jack de Bromhead the racing community obviously in deep deep mourning uh, following his death in this pony racing incident on uh, Saturday the teenager sustained fatal injuries in the incident it was the fifth race on the first day of the Glen Bay uh, Festival. Now, the Gardaí and the emergency services were called to the scene. Indeed, I heard our own uh, community air ambulance um, based outside of Mill Street. That also uh, responded. It was about 20 past five on Saturday afternoon when the young rider uh, received treatment. But unfortunately, he couldn't be saved and he was later pronounced uh, dead. Now, yesterday afternoon, there was an official notice posted up online by his uh, grieving family. Now, I won't read all of it, but just to read some of it, you know, they they speak in this in this piece that they put online of Jack being a one of a kind child who touched all of our lives in the best way possible. He will be forever present in our lives, always cherished, always loved, frozen in time with a beautiful young son. He was an amazing uh, son. Uh, with an overbrimming heart of loyalty, empathy, patience, pluck, courage and how he made us laugh. They say uh, in another part of the statement, they say Jack has lived so many more years than the 13. He filled every moment of his days uh, forever curious, grasping at life and new uh, interests. And uh, there's been a huge, obviously, outpouring of tributes to young Jack. So we think of Jack's parents and his twin sister and his younger sister. It's just, it really, really is shocking. Michael in Castletown Bear has WhatsApp saying, Patricia, our thoughts and prayers are with the family and community of Tala in Dublin this morning on the disaster that hit their doors over the weekend. A disaster that will be remembered for years and years. And to the people of Ross Bay and the tragic accident causing the death of the young jockey Jack de Bromhead, a beautiful young man, enjoying what he really loved to do to his parents, family and friends. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. So many young people you can call children to perish so sad. May the angels uh, welcome them uh, to their eternal peace. Uh, well put, uh, Michael. It's just, it's when you read stories like this and um, it gets overwhelming really sometimes when, when you read it, just the sadness for these uh, families and it's just, you know, deaths like this. It's just, some some things just don't make sense, do they? They literally don't make uh, sense. So we think of the family in Tala, the wider community and the de Bromhead family and indeed everyone, I think, in the in the horse racing fraternity who are all deeply, deeply saddened.
by young Jack's pa- passing. All of those children uh, gone to their eternal, eternal reward just way too early. May they all rest in peace. Actually, there was a text in earlier as well from uh, a listener when we were when I was just talking about the dreadful tragedies and the loss of young life o- lives, uh, lives over the weekend. Uh, Mary says, hi, Patricia, I was so saddened to hear about the young boy who was stabbed on his night out with his school friends following their leaving search. There was a leaving search disco that was in Dublin on Friday night to think that young people are going out with knives in their pocket going out to hurt somebody else it really is unbelievable and that yeah it's a, it's, that's a dreadful case and actually that 16 year old boy I know certainly up to yesterday is still fighting for his life after being um, st- he was stabbed outside a restaurant in, in Liffey Valley but it was it was to it was coming out from a, a, there was a leaving cert disco now a 16 year old wouldn't have done his leaving cert but it was obviously it was a teenage disco that was on but he is uh, fighting for his life but yeah awful to think that people would be you know going out looking in the mirror checking that they looked well the gel is in the hair and they have the aftershave on and the girls have the perfume and the makeup and they're all looking great and to think that somebody is deciding I can't go out without a knife in my pocket knife crimes yeah, shocking and uh, they seem to be something that's getting worse instead of better for sure thank you for your whatsapp to 086 103 and uh, good to see that there's a lot of take up on something that we ran with on the programme last Friday and this is further calls from the government to end the twice yearly clock changes leaving clocks on summertime all year round could save us as consumers hundreds of euro a year on electricity bill and a number of academic experts now are coming out and they're putting it down they're looking at the pounds shillings and pence on this and they're reckoning that the average three-bedroomed house could save up to 500 euro by the extra hour of daylight in the evening time if we foregoed the extra hour in bed in the morning time in in October and we spoke about it we raised it as an issue with um, Fine Gael Senator Tim Lynch Tim Lombard on the programme on Friday and Tim was outlining his reasons and he was saying to do it purely because energy bills are rising all the time and anything that can help on energy bills he says surely has got to be uh, looked at but the latest academic uh, is a Queen's University professor in mechanical and aerospace engineering a lady in the know Aoife Foley she says by simply forgoing the winter daylight saving time in October we save energy because it's brighter in the evening during the winter time so we reduce commercial and residential electricity demand uh, as people leave work earlier or go home earlier meaning less light and heating is needed. Now if you remember under EU law uh, the clocks in all member states go back an hour the last Sunday in October they go forward to the last Sunday in March however a recent EU wide poll found people are overwhelmingly in favour of scrapping the twice yearly clock change and as we mentioned last Friday on the programme it was back to 2019 that MEPs voted to scrap the practice across the block from April of this year. But the vote wasn't the last word on the issue. And what happened was that vote was taken. That then was to form the basis of discussions within EU countries before they would produce a final law. 
But unfortunately, the proposal took a back seat because obviously countries were dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the majority of countries outside of Europe and North America do not adjust their clocks, which was something that I didn't I didn't know. But Professor Aoife Foley, she's done the maths on this and she's calculated that the average household with three bedrooms can save €1.28 a day doesn't sound a lot on your energy bills but when you add it all up it comes to just under 500 euro by having brighter and warmer evenings and of course during the evening energy demand that peaks between five and seven so that is the time that we're all being asked to reduce our energy during those times because remember Airgrid have already warned that we cannot guarantee that there won't be energy blackouts this winter so we're all being encouraged to reduce our energy consumption but particularly to reduce it to between 5 and 7 but if the clocks do go back at the end of October then you know it'll be harder for people to reduce their energy during those particular peak uh, periods so it is certainly gaining momentum 0818103103 and I'm assuming most of our listeners are I know because we've many, many years in the past done interviews about this, particularly with the likes of Fine Gael MEP Sean Kelly. He's been a great advocate. He was the one, one of the ones who spoke up at the European level when that vote was taken to ban the practice. And it should have been coming in from this year, but unfortunately it got stymied a little bit by uh, COVID. But I know whenever we did interviews uh, on it, the majority of people were very much in favour. So I think when, when I saw that that poll that was conducted, that the majority of people across the EU were in favour of scrapping the twice yearly clock change, I'm assuming a lot of people here in Ireland would very much be in agreement with it. Your thoughts welcomed 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp to 086. To 103 103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. The Economic and Social Research Institute said it estimates that 43% of households I'm joined by Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association. Good morning to you, Dermot. Morning, Patricia. Always great to uh, talk to you. Do you ever remember a time when so many households were in or or under threat of being in energy poverty? No, never. Um, And I I suppose one of the the, the key elements of this is that nobody needs to be convinced of the need for something urgently to happen um, because very, very much. We have, we've had the, the, the Taoiseach coming out and saying that the prices are off the Richter scale. And the reason we're in such a shocking position is, is it's not just energy um, costs, but it's every other cost. Um, we're looking at inflation at a ridiculous rate. But I think that it's the reality of what is happening with a number of people that's causing, a, I suppose, an, an under, a, a true understanding of the serious problems that households are going through. Like we all have to use electricity. I mean, this this is the problem. This isn't like, uh, you know, a TV subscription channel is going up, at, you know, at an alarming rate. You can just decide to disconnect it. I mean, as consumers, do we have any choices for saving on our electricity bills? 
We have we we have limited choices. I mean, the, the the choices that we all know are trying to cut back on the the usage. So that, that's all very fine in terms of light, for example. Um, but when it comes to using appliances, for example, tumble dryers or dishwashers or washing machines, they they use a lot of energy. So there are some elements where you might be able to work there if you're if you're fortunate enough. But whereas as a nation, we're not completed yet to have um, smart meters you, you might be able to introduce some element of, of saving there by using night rates but they, they, that's that's not for everybody at the moment um, the other side of the coin is that you know again take any family no matter whether it's two four six or eight um, clothes have to be washed um, we're entering into winter um, people have to keep themselves warm and unfortunately and this started almost three or four months ago um, it came to light that many people were looking at a choice between, if you like, heating or eating. Um, and th- this was a problem back coming coming out of the winter into the summer. And now we're heading straight back into that. And some of the, the comments that have, I mean, some people went out to, to, to ask consumers exactly what they were, how were they struggling. And I, there was one that caught me particularly where somebody made the point that, look, um, we don't we don't buy takeaways. We don't go to the cinema. We don't go on holidays. Our children don't wear branded clothes. We've no life, and we're struggling to keep our heads above water. And that's just trying to live, to all intents and purposes, a life within a budget that whatever money you've been earning, it's become so devalued in what you can buy that it's causing significant problems. And the biggest problem, of course, is energy. Um, and the biggest problem is the lack of transparency behind the prices as they go up. Um, Whereas it's assumed that we will accept every single price increase as being an absolute requirement. Yet, at the same time, there are enormous profits being declared by the, the providers. And there's no explanation as, as to why none of it or some of it or is any of it being absorbed there's no detail it, and is that something those enormous profits being made by the energy companies is that something that the government can look at I mean they're talking about a windfall tax will that be enough it, it would be helpful and the reason it would be helpful is that I, I said there earlier on there's an, usually when you're asking government to do something you've got to convince them and they're going well I don't know and it takes money they already know this is a massive problem and that's why they've brought the budget forward and that's why we know that there are going to be um, issues put in place to help us and initiatives and some support mechanisms. Great. But a windfall tax benefits the government in the sense that it allows them to keep continuing to do that. Because one of the biggest problems where we sit at the moment is that there have been a great number of months between we did get a support, a direct support into everybody's account, which said, this is off, this is uh, money off your account. And most of that was eroded by the time we got it. Now there's been a big intervening period. I know it's been summer, and that's been a a godsend almost, because there was some mitigations there where you could not use the, 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 the energy so much but it's 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 now at a point where people were already in arrears they're continuing to be in arrears and they can't find a way out of it except go further into arrears and this state this nation can't afford that we really can't yeah, that and, is a and, shocking problem and even listening to uh, businesses 
Yeah. And they are really struggling. And then this massive electricity bill arrives in uh, and businesses, many of them have been struggling after COVID to get back on their, their feet. They have no choice but to pass on higher costs. To Absolutely. Customers. And, and the, the natural follow-on from that, because come back to the question, what can people do, is one of the things, is, it's not what they can do, it's what they will do. They will stop buying what they don't have to buy, um, or they will seek to change the provider to buy what they must buy, certainly food, for example. Um, and when they stop buying, the businesses go back into a form of a, a, a new look at a recession where they go, we cannot sell our products Um the price is too high. We acknowledge that. But it, everything in, in terms of rent has gone up for us. Rates continue to be the situation. We now have a, an energy crisis, um, which we can't afford to, to, to manage. And so we passed it on. And many other businesses are doing it. And consumers just think, think consumers can't take the whole load on board. They just can't. It's not possible. So they have to say, I have X amount of money. It's not increasing. It is reducing. I've got to stop buying stuff, not not only that I don't need, but even stuff that I could do with, I became used to, and I've got to find an alternative, whether I cook it myself, make it myself, or do something completely different in lifestyle to go back to, coming back to a little again, again what you said, times that none of us, um, if we can remember them at all, never want to go back to. Yeah, I I read a piece on, it was on somebody's social media, they were talking about being on a train, or on a bus in Dublin, and there was a child with their mother sitting in the seat in, in front of them, and they couldn't help but overhear the conversation, and they, the bus had stopped outside of Tesco, and the little girl said to the mother, Mammy, can we go into Tesco to buy some food for dinner? And she's, the mother said, it was a Tuesday, the mother said, no, no, we've got to wait, I'm borrowing from Grandad on Thursday. We've only another two nights of toast and I'll be able to buy dinners on Thursday. And just you th- yeah. you're thinking, my God, that's the reality for that little family. And it is a reality um, because I, I heard similar issues to that when we met with some of the consumer representatives from Northern Ireland, where they had they had stories. Um, this this was this was just before the summer. They had similar stories and people saying, "Well, look, you know," and, and here in the at home as well, we were saying, "We we we get paid on Friday, but um, by by Tuesday or Wednesday." Oh, God. The budget's gone, and, yeah. and it's you know. And again, one of the comments I saw there the other day was, "We're making dinners smaller to try to keep the kids fed." That's just shocking. Yeah, yeah. And what what advice, Dermot, do you have for families who get an energy bill that they simply can't afford to pay? Well, the, the, the the one thing about this is, any time that happens immediately get in touch with the provider so that um, they know that you have a problem. I think, in all honesty, I think they're inundated at the moment, but that's okay. They just need to know that you have a problem because they have got systems, they have got measures they can do to help. They can, you know, work out a bill with you and and figure out what's a problem. They can even give you some suggestions um, on how you might be able to cut down in some way. And most importantly, if all else comes and and again I know this is a this is an issue where people they don't want to talk about it they don't, don't even want to think about it but if necessary you can get a pay as you go meter even for an interim period um I and as again I know I know how people feel about these but it helps and unfortunately it's a reality of life you just might need this to help you keep going rather than not have the money on a Friday or Thursday before you get paid on Friday to even turn on the light never mind the heat 
Okay, all right, uh, Dermot. It's it's certainly going to be a very tricky winter for so many people, uh, for uh, for sure. And then the government, we're all everyone's waiting on the budget at the end of the month. The the two hundred euro credit that they gave everybody earlier in the year, that's certainly not going to be enough. Oh no, not at all. Um, and it's an interesting point because expectations are high on what the government are going to do and I'm not so sure that even with the best of intentions they're not they're be, going to be able to live up to it because I, I I would not want their job. It's This is not an easy one to resolve. Okay, we'll speak again Dermot. In the meantime, thank you for that. Have a good day. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Dermot Jewell from the Consumers Association. Jur in East Cork says 30 families uh, an hour are calling to the Society of St Vincent de Paul for help. Uh, Jur, we I saw this on the paper as well. Some older people are switching off their fridges, which uh, please don't do that because your food is going to go off. Um, anyway, Jur says uh, Micheál Martin will have a pension worth two million when he retires. Uh, ministers and TDs are all in for a pay rise soon. We have two. Ireland's in this uh, country is it not time for an election that's from Jur in uh, East uh, Cork and hi Patricia I'm all for saving electricity but I've got a huge huge problem with night rates as I will not put on my washing machine or my dryer or my dishwasher when I go to bed I think it's very dangerous I was lucky a few years ago my dryer was smouldering but thank God I was there to uh, detect it people have to be careful about nighttime rates and if they are leaving machines on 0818103103 Bernie is taking your calls she's in for John Paul this week you can text her WhatsApp 0862 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Families of seriously ill children have been forced to pay up to €35 per day for parking while their children receive medical treatment. The Irish Cancer Society and Children in Hospital Ireland have said relief must be provided for families for these hefty hospital parking fees. Joining me, Amy Nolan, who is head of children with the Irish Cancer Society. Good morning to you, Amy. Hello, Patricia. You're, 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 Great to be here. Well, you're very welcome to the programme. Isn't it plain and simple? Parents of sick children should not have to be worrying about parking charges. Yes, Patricia. And we really found this in our recent report with the hidden cost of hospital car parking for families. It was findings were really shocking on the financial toll and the burden imposed by these parking charges. You know, families of children undergoing treatments are paying €4 euro an hour, as you said, and this can add up to €35 euro simply for car parking charges every day. Um, we also had a recent report with the real cost of cancer, and that shows that families are facing costs of up to €5,000 of expenses associated with attending these appointments and treatments. So I think you're absolutely right. It, it seems like a simple, um, you know, result. Yeah. And do some hospitals offer like passes for free parking? Yes, Patricia, that does happen. But what we have found in our report is that it's really difficult for families to find out about concessions that are available. It depends on who you speak to. There's nothing consistent. It's really confusing or the information is just not available. So we're calling for the HSE to publish a central database on the applicable charges so the families can prepare and budget in advance of these visits. 
Yeah, it's interesting you say that because time and time again, we would hear from some of our listeners who were mm. attending hospital appointments, particularly with children, and it would be speaking to another parent that they would yes. discover. Nobody had told them that there was a concession. And at that stage, they'd forked out uh, huge sums of money. And I've spoken uh, with your good selves at the Irish Cancer Society mm. many, many times about the issue of parking charges for all uh, parents. Yes. Didn't the programme for government not include an agreement to introduce a cap on parking fees at hospitals? Well, absolutely, Patricia. And that's part of some of our key requests. The government has committed to car parking caps for hospital car parks. But we would ask that government and HSE remove or just significantly reduce these car parking charges. And we really want to put pressure now. And I think with this report, it really advocates for these families that we can do that. We've already on the programme this morning we're talking about the increase in, in the cost of uh, living and, and energy yes. prices uh, rising all the time. Will many families, Amy, with children with cancer really struggle this year, do you think? Oh, I really think so, Patricia. And ultimately expensive and complex and these are unclear charges. They're a total distraction from what matters most. You know, the care and financial welfare of these young patients and families should be paramount. You know, it's the toughest fight of someone's life yeah, and parents yeah. are just putting such effort, time, energy into this. Imagine parking, even off street, because some of them can't get a car parking space in the hospital. So they might have to park on street and then they're in the hospital with their child thinking about the parking meter. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we've heard of parents who've come out and found a parking ticket or a car clamps yeah. just if you haven't got enough uh, uh, going on but hospitals will come back Amy and say they make revenue out of these uh, parking charges so if the parking yeah. charges are reduced would the government need to make up that shortfall to the hospitals? And that's what we would be hoping for that the government would take this financial piece and um, you know then that works for the hospitals. OK, so we have a budget coming up. Are you hoping something might be done in, in the budget yes. this month? Absolutely, Patricia. And we had a pre-budget submission there um, a couple of weeks back, which was we felt very well attended and we had some great conversations with some of the politicians. So this is definitely something as part of our ask. Yeah, because you forget um, all the other charges. Parking is just one mm. of, the, of the many charges. And I'm assuming, Amy, if a family have a child, God forbid, diagnosed with cancer yeah. or some other, you know, life-threatening, seriously ill child, in many cases, one of the parents, if they've both been working, will give up work, won't they? Patricia, that's really what we're seeing, which adds a huge burden to the family. Also, there's a lot of, you know, generally these patients have siblings and so the childcare are issues you know there's a lot of other issues that are um, in hand with this and Patricia it's just important to say that September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month um, and we have a takeover on our website to say that if you want to contact us if any parents out there with children um, adolescents young adults that want to contact us we do have support on our nursing line people want to contact 1-800-200-700. We also have financial support team members who can help to guide and signpost families um, in different areas. Okay. We have a children's fund um, yeah. and that helps to meet some of the expenses incurred by families. Well done. And, and proving why when we donate to things like Daffodil Day Absolutely. or we do a fundraiser for the Irish Cancer Society, that's where mm. part of the money goes. 
Yes, Patricia. Yeah. And we're also very excited to say that we have launched a volunteer driving service, which would be specific for children and young people. Um, just launched there at the beginning of September. Initially, it's going to cover um, Dublin, Kildare, Mead and Wicklow. But we hope to make it a national um, roll, roll, it, roll it out here in yeah. Cork as well. Okay, well, absolutely. We, we certainly will get back to you we'll on that. Never forget one. the rebel. <laughs> Listen, Amy, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, thank uh, thanks Patricia. for joining us. Good morning to you. Thank that you. is uh, Amy Nolan, who is head of uh, Children's Services with the Irish Cancer Society. And let's hope that it's it's a small one, really, that could be included in the budget to give some kind of help to families who are battling their own battle with a child getting uh, diagnosed seriously ill or a child with uh, cancer. Give them a break. At least give them a break on the parking charges, please. And Alan says, when you're talking of parking charges, a friend of mine said Alan had a hospital appointment recently recently at CUH. Now she lives in Lismore in County Waterford so she had a bit of a fair distance to travel but off she went. When she got there she was told sorry now but the consultant has been delayed. You're going to have a little bit of a wait but she wanted to see the consultant so she waited. She ended up having to wait five and a half hours past the point of where what her appointment uh, was due to be but she waited and then when leaving the hospital she had to pay for her parking. Her parking charges were €27 and 50 cent Alan said absolutely scandalous and that wasn't her fault it was the and it wasn't the fault of the consultant either except the consultants get laid get delayed but surely in incidents like that there should be some kind of a concession given to somebody who has been delayed through no fault of their own uh, having to pay that extra money that's incredible 2750 for the price of the parking and that's for an adult attending uh, Cork University Hospital 0818103103 I can see people talking about energy charges that we kicked off the programme with with our chat with Dermot Jewell Hi Patricia I have a meter and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this is a pay-as-you-go meter which is one of the suggestions that Dermot Jewell gave uh, when we were talking with him uh, I have one of those pay-as-you-go meters but it is not helping it's still the electricity still has to be paid. I'm putting 35 euro in. I'm assuming is that weekly. I'm on a disability allowance. I've all of my other bills. I've had to turn off the gas. Otherwise, I will have absolutely nothing left for food. That's the reality for so many people. Stephen Amato says on the clock changing and how the clock changing could help us. The clock's not, not going back in October. Stephen Amato reckons would make little or no difference because if it's wet or cold people will still want heating and fires on said, uh, says Stephen Amato but it will give you the extra hour of daylight in the evening so you certainly will save on things like uh, your lighting and the evidence is there that it will save it will save on your electricity I mean the experts uh, reckon that it could save up to 500 euro a year and Una says thanks for your text Stephen Una says hi Patricia once again I've received my ESB bill recently. I've been very vigilant, uh, keeping my units to an absolute minimum. I note once again that despite all my best efforts, approximately half the bill is due to standing charges, which are nearly 70 cent per day. So despite all effort, it is futile. We're constantly being told to cut back. But why don't the providers cut back on all of these increases? Who is controlling this? We are at their mercy thanking you and that is from Una. Well I know the standing charge itself 
uh, is set, I think it's eight eight 8.63 cents per day is what it is set at. But then it's got that and you have carbon taxes, you have, you have other charges as well. But what is the standing charge? Because that's most people scratch their heads and say I can save on everything, but the standing charge is still there. Even though I did note that the recent increases from the energy companies, they didn't put up their standing charges. And I thought, well, well done on that. A standing charge is added to most gas and electricity bills. It's a fixed daily amount that you have to pay no matter how much energy you use. A standing charge covers the cost of supplying your property with the gas and our electricity. It's a little bit like a line rental, but for your energy. So you've no other choice. And we've had so many listeners say that before you switch on a light or turn on a washing machine or use any electricity, that standing charge is still go- is still going to be there. It's not set on the amount you use. You're still going to have uh, standing charges. And I know people find that really, really frustrating. And, and Una is right. No matter how much you try and save, you're still going to have to pay the standing charge. Thank you for your text, Una, to 0862103103. I'm about to go into a piece of music, so let me play a quick... I don't normally do requests, but there was a request in... And somebody asking me to mention somebody who I know listens to the programme. It's her birthday uh, today. It's Teresa Ring in uh, Ballinhasic. And I know she's a big fan of the programme. Happy birthday to you, uh, Teresa. All the family thinking of you today and hoping you're having a lovely birthday. Joe in Domamway sent in a lovely text to say, Hi, I had my second COVID booster jab on Friday. Joe went along to the Bantry Primary Care Centre. She wants to give a big shout out to the staff there. She said they were absolutely fantastic. She said, people, please go and get vaccinated and are boosted. Do something good today, says Joe and Jamami. Actually, I got my second booster on Saturday. Arm was a bit sore, I have to, have to say, but it's fine now. Uh, but anyway, uh, besides the point, but yeah, I think it's more important than ever that we all boost our immunity, particularly coming into the winter months. I think this winter more than ever, because there's such a scare coming from Australia with the flu that is going to circulate this year, I think more than ever, if you get called, are you are eligible? for a COVID booster jab the second COVID booster jabs are out at the moment please do as Joe Joe says go out and get uh, boosted Uh, well done but take a bow everyone in the primary Bantry Care Centre I had mine at uh, Weedles Pharmacy they've got a lovely little uh, vaccination centre up and running superly efficient so hi to everybody at Weedles as well 0818103103 Bernie's taking your calls means now um, one of our listeners in Mallow has been on to us this morning on behalf of her daughter who is trying to get through by phone to the tax office in Cork now this is an ongoing issue she's been trying for months because she's on emergency tax so she's trying to get it sorted out but she simply cannot get an answer on the phone she's tried doing it online to see if she can sort out the issue herself but she's getting nowhere now the listener who contacted us said she's read reviews from other people who are also having the same problem there seems to be nobody answering the phones at the Cork tax office and you're not allowed to call into the offices in person why? because of Covid and they're still not open to the public and if you ring the tax office they tell you to go online in English and then they repeat the message in Irish so we're going to give it out to see because I'm assuming other people have had the very same problem but maybe got around it does anybody has anybody advice 
Has anybody tried to get through to the tax office, particularly with regard to emergency tax? Has anybody any advice for this listener's daughter? Because obviously if she's been paying emergency tax, and the thing with emergency tax is you do eventually get it back. But I mean, while you're paying it, we all went through back in the early days when you started work, you remember paying emergency tax and you couldn't wait uh, to get off it as quick as possible. So if anybody's advice for a listener trying to get through to the tax office in Cork to sort out emergency tax, but getting nowhere. If you can help, please do 0818103103. Lot of texts, lot of WhatsApps coming in, particularly with regard to electricity prices and the standing charges. I as I mentioned, standing charges and how infuriating paying standing charges are because no matter how much you cut back on electricity, you're still going to have these standing charges. Uh, John in Blackpool says on standing charges, he has one of the prepaid power and he said, I've been checking it for weeks and I've noticed if I put in €10 euro worth of credit into the meter when I go to bed, when I wake up in the morning, the €10 euro with no electricity used has gone to €8.50. Euro 40. It's working out at €1.60 uh, a night, every night for the standing uh, charge, says John in uh, Blackpool. Somebody else says, well, the chief executives of those electricity and gas companies, will they freeze this winter? I think not. They won't reduce their prices as they're lining their already full uh, po- pockets. And yeah, everybody talking about something has to be done about the amount of profits that are being made by the energy companies. I did see Ivana back check on behalf of the Labour Party she's calling on the government to introduce a price cap on energy to householders and to businesses because of the rising costs she was saying it's an emergency response is what is required and she suggested that existing legislation could actually be used to limit the prices people would have to pay to the energy companies she says the Labour Party believes that the sort of unprecedented price rises we're seeing and have seen over the last few weeks in energy bills is simply not sustainable. She said we want the government to, what we want the government to do is accept it in principle that they should be imposing price caps on energy bills to ensure that people will have some greater certainty. Now it won't bring down the cost but at least you will know the very most that your energy cost can uh, go to. And she also pointed out that price caps have been introduced very effectively in in other countries and in European countries there is price caps in Spain and in Portugal. Now we know the government are exploring all kinds of options in advance of a budget day to try to ease the pressure on households. I mean they're talking and I mentioned it with Dermot Jewell of a windfall tax and that will be levied on the energy companies who are all recording significant profits and um, it's one of the things that they are talking about doing but will it be enough? Only time will tell. Sam says I think we're in a war situation and we, we should deal with it like we are at war we, yeah, we're at war with the it feels we're at war with the price of energy for sure John says Patricia it's not too long ago we were all in lockdown things at the time were frightening back then but it's hard to believe that things actually feel worse now than what they did during lockdown at least back in Covid times we could afford to buy fuel and uh, food it doesn't feel that way today says uh, John another texter for once would the government please do something right and please leave the clocks on summertime this year it's terrible to be driving home from work in the dark if it was brighter in the evening people would also be able to get out and exercise more they'd feel safe going out to exercise if there was still a bit of brightness in the evening and it would be good for people's mental health so there would be a lot of pluses to it and as I said that uh, professor 
um, they, from Belfast University did the maths on it and reckoned every household would save close to 500 euro a year by not putting the clocks uh, back. And Heidi says, morning, Patricia. Uh, once again, I was listening to the BBC early this morning and they were saying how much the fuel prices should have co- come down by some stations petrol stations in the UK have but not all have and now they're starting to query are some of the petrol stations profiteering. I was looking here I'm not seeing much changes in the price of fuel when you consider that it's coming down the barrel of oil is coming down on the world market. I was reading also that our TDs are in line for a €6,000 plus rise in salary, but not for the rest of us. Yeah, I mentioned that actually on the programme last week. There's a couple of other people actually are bringing up about that as well. Somebody else saying, did I hear right? Or are TDs and ministers getting €6,000? If the public sector pay rise goes through, then that rise uh, the TDs and the ministers will be entitled to it as well even though in fairness the ministers for the last number of years have not they forgo they've they they passed on any of their pay rises will they do it again we'll have to wait and uh, see but yes it is €6,000 if the public sector it's gone out now to the public sector unions they've gone out to their members and there's a vote about to take place amongst all the public sector workers 0818103103 on electricity we are a family of six both my husband and I work we decided to get the pay as you go meter for our electricity a few years ago but oh my god the cost of it at the moment is ridiculous the kids aren't even there during the day we're at work so minimum the minimum amount of electricity has been used certainly in the daytime when there's nobody at the home. I'm putting 40 to 50 euro into it weekly, sometimes even more, even though both of us are at work with the cost of living. It is really pushing us to the pin of our collar. Winter is coming. It is going to be very tough. The only thing I will say on the those red pay-as-you-go meters, they can be probably the most expensive way that you pay for your electricity. Now, I know the argument is you don't end up having bills, but they can be one of the most expensive tariffs. So maybe look at the tariff that you are on. There may be some way of reducing your electricity by changing or at least changing the tariff that you're on with your uh, company. Hi, Patricia. This is from Michael and Butterman. The regulator for utilities is supposed to protect the consumer. They've let the energy providers put up their prices. So how are they protecting us? Well, the Commission for the Regulation of Utilities, they have announced a suite of measures, they say, to further protect uh, customers from some of the worst impacts of record energy price uh, levels. One of the things they have announced, and actually I said I would look into this because somebody on the programme on Friday was worried about householders facing electricity disconnection if they can't afford to pay the high energy bills. So the CRU said that householders in debt will now have a minimum of two years to repay arrears, while a moratorium on disconnections has been extended from one month to three months. Currently, there's a ban on disconnections for all household customers that's in place from mid-December through to mid-January. The idea be that nobody would have their electricity cut off either during the Christmas or you know, in the, in the height of winter. But that now has been extended for three months. So no energy provider will be able to disconnect anyone in the month of December, the month of January or in the month of uh, February. And for vulnerable customers, that ban gets extended to six months from the 1st of October 
October through to the end of uh, March. Now, I also saw that the C, uh, the Commission for Regulation of Utilities have said householders who do opt for a pay-as-you-go meter out of financial hardship are to be automatically put on the cheapest tariff by their supplier. How you go about doing that, I don't know. But I do know I was talking with Bernie in the office and uh, we were trying to get, or we're hoping to get on to the Society of St Vincent uh, de Paul because obviously they're dealing with people in real financial hardship, but particularly about the pay-as-you-go meter because my worry with the pay-as-you-go meter, while the energy companies are told they can't disconnect somebody, if you have a pay-as-you-go meter, and you run out and you don't put money into it, then you're almost self-disconnecting. And that's what I would worry about. Some of the people who are really financially strapped are on one of these pay-as-you-go meters and will they end up self-disconnecting themselves because they've no money to put into the meter. So we're trying to see if we can get Society of Vincent de Paul because they're worried about that as well to join us on the programme this week. 0818-103-103. Bernie has taken your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Full-time general operators are wanted for construction work that's in the Cork area call 022 57629 Plant mechanic is wanted for child of a plant hire you email cphltd.ie Dukan Concrete are offering a number of apprenticeships now they're recruiting for apprenticeships for construction plant fitter HGV mechanic and they're also looking for a welder slash fabricator CVs please to hr at duconconcrete.com and the Alzheimer's Society are looking for a home care worker to work in the North Cork area please apply with your CV and a cover letter to recruit at alzheimer.ie you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is c103 Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. A food bank based in Cork City has said that on average 10 new families are registering for support every single week with their service alone. To chat about how the food bank is coping, I'm joined by Sharon Mullins of Feed Cork. Good morning to you, Sharon. Hi Patricia, how oh, are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Always great to talk to you. Is this the busiest summer the food bank has ever seen, do you think? Uh, definitely. Um, I suppose, first of all, I suppose, just to clarify, with the food bank, I suppose the aim, the reason it was set up first is to keep people in their homes. So all our clients would be people who are in homes. But the biggest issue now that they have, I suppose, is... Um, you know, the people's fuel bills are gone up. Um, you know, they expect to have to be increased by about 30% going forward. And the other thing I suppose we were thinking is like anybody who's on the ECB rate, who has a mortgage, you know, whereas before they might have been able to cover, we say, you know, a little increase in that, that would be okay. But they're now going to be faced with other bills on top of it if you're running a car and everything else. So we do think our clientele is going to change in the next few months. Like last year alone, we keep all our staff and last year alone, we would say over the 12 months, we would have registered 478 new clients. This year, like up to the end of August, we registered 709 new families. These are new. Like, these are people who never, never, and probably never would have even considered going to a food bank before. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's it. And I mean, Okay, we were having a slight problem with your phone breaking up. Just move slightly and we should be okay. 
Uh, yeah. Go on, yeah, you were saying. Better? Yeah, that's I fine. Said, you know, we're having a lot of, um, you know, we'd have people who come into us and they're actually in tears when they're inside because to find themselves in that position, first of all. So it's really important when they do come in, they are made feel welcome. Uh, and they are because we have an amazing um, group of volunteers to ensure that that's the experience they have. We've also set up our food bank in such a way that it's like a food hall. So if you're bringing your kids in with you, we also have a complimentary coffee shop. Um, so we kind of feel if they're coming in with their kids, we don't want the kids to remember, like, oh, mommy got a bag of food somewhere. I know, you know They come know. in and they, they, they choose their shopping. The only thing we ask people to do is bring their own bags. So, you know, and that's our... So it's it's like going to the supermarket and you're picking up what you need. Exactly, exactly. And it's very important, I suppose, because, you know, if you are bringing your kids there, it's so hard. I can't even imagine. I mean, uh, I I actually, I feel so sorry for people. You said the next couple of months, especially with this September, you have the kids going back to school and all that expense. And there's like a fiver for this and a tenner for that. And it just never ends, you know, when they go back to school, I think anyway, initially. Um, and of course, people are going to be worried about Christmas now on top of that, because that could be the next thing, you know. Yeah, um, I, to- I told the story earlier when I was talking to Dermot Jewell of the Consumers Association. He was talking about energy costs, but I was uh, there was a story I relayed that was from Dublin. It was um, a mother and her little boy or little girl sitting on a bus and it was the, the person sitting behind overheard them chatting and they in the bus and Tesco was just across the road or something and the little girl said, Mammy, can we go into Tesco's to get food for dinner tonight? And the mother mm-hmm. said, this was on a Tuesday, the mother said, no, we have to wait until Thursday. I'm bar- some money from granddad on uh, Thursday we've only two more nights of uh, mm. I think it was beans on toast uh, for dinner and I'll be able to buy dinners on Thursday and I just thought my god that's the reality when you have nothing in your purse you have the bit yep. of bread and the few tins of beans in the cupboard you make do yeah and, and I suppose you know we encourage people to you know so we'd have some people even a lot of people would say no I'm alright no for this this week and we'd often say like you know put put you know take the extra tin push it there and have it there you know what I mean yeah. have a little backup but um, yeah I just think the coming months will be so hard for people because we're bombarded at the moment um, with you know they're telling us that, you know things are going up by, like the electricity the gas is going up by 30% um, and then you know there are the people we say we have people coming into us but there's also a group who will never come into us for whatever reason and I suppose like you know we, we started this after school fuel it's a project that we started we work with some of the desk schools in the city yeah. and what we would do is we would provide them with dry produce like tins of stuff garlic on me or pasta rice that kind of stuff yeah. that they can store it and they can reach, like, because their homeschool liaison in those schools would have a way of reaching out to families. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, and they'd know the families. Well, I was thinking of would. that. I was thinking of that woman on the bus. She's yeah. exactly somebody who would be welcomed with open arms in a food bank, but obviously yeah. has never even considered it. And people, Sharon, do find it hard to make that initial call or that, you know, that first day. Don't, don't, yeah. I mean, Patricia, we see it <sighs> week in, week out. I mean, not a week goes by that something does happen that really, um, that really gets under your skin. You know what I mean? So that's why it's so important that they do feel welcome. And we, you know, even after the first week, they'll remember your name and we're saying, no, no, come back again next week. That's no problem. We're happy to help. And, you know, no, to be fair, there are a lot of people that come and they really need it. 
and then you won't see them for a long time again. Mm. You know that kind of way. But like definitely, you know, this year we've seen a massive increase, and and again, like there, the people coming in, coming into us again, the the homeschool liaisons would pay a, pay a big part in helping people with food as well. So that's another avenue that we have taken, and like there are a particular group of families that. Um, one particular school said to us, you know, we we think they could use some support at the weekend. So Brook Brook Foods, who are they cater, they do all the a lot of the big kitchens in the city, like Parky Creed now and City Hall and County Hall. They approached us during COVID, you know, to help us, and they've continued with us. But they now provide hot meals for some families at the weekend. You know, well we done. have a team that goes out on Friday, and they will do that 52 weeks of the year because we know for whatever reason. Um, you know, there there could be anything going on in the home, but at yeah. least the child can like shove a hot meal in the microwave. We also give them we say cereals and a bit of lunch, a bit of fruits, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Them through yeah. the weekend. So, um, and and again, I you know, it's only in its infancy. We really need that's the program we really want to grow. Now, obviously, our biggest issue at the minute is finance because, like every other charity, you're depending on. Yeah, out, yeah, just just you, explain you know? that to us, how you source your food. Our food comes from, um, the majority of the dry stuff would come through the feed programme, which is an EU programme. Okay. Um, so a lot of it would come that way, but we'd also go and collect food, we'd say, from various um, shops like Marks and Spencer's, Tesco's, Aldi or Lidl. But they're specific, we say, you, you get a call to go there. It's all done through food clothes, which helps with food waste and stuff. So um, just because it says used by, you know what I mean? It's okay still to use the next day. Um, or, or we would freeze the meat, or they would freeze the meat down and we would collect it frozen and give it out frozen, you know? Mm-hmm. So And everything is done to a really high standard because we have uh, a chill van and we have um, another van that we use to pick up. And again, that's, that's all massive cost. But we even deal with the after-school fuel. Somebody, for a price of a couple of cups of coffee, you could look after a child for the weekend, you know what I mean? That would it's cover the costs. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. I mean, if you know yourself, like I'm a good cigarist, there are centre or anywhere, you'll do what you pick up what you need, maybe the paper, but you'll always pick up maybe a cup of coffee or, you know, that kind of way. It's just, I suppose, you don't think about it. Yeah. You don't think about it, you know, if you're in that yeah, lucky position. And, and you would be dealing with, particularly a lot of the new families, uh, Sharon, in many cases, both parents are out at work. I mean, these aren't people who are skiving, sitting at home, expecting absolutely to get everything. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And I mean, what we did find even this year, we had um, 3,500 stationary packs that we got, again, through the SEED programme and the Department of Social Protection. It, it, it's uh, co-funded. Um, but we were able to give out stationary packs to lots of families and we did it kind of for a full month and what's left then we would give to the Dutch schools which wasn't a whole lot but what we found is one particular grandmother has come in the last two years and I actually remembered her because when she came in last year she said you know my family I think they were her daughter and son-in-law were nurses and she said just, just to give them that bit of help is it okay if I pick them up we were delighted to help like you know but there are so many people that are pinned to their collar and you just won't know mm. so it's so easy you know people 
we like we don't judge because you know somebody could be driving a good car, but they could be driving a good car because they're living thirty miles outside the city and they need something reliable to get them to work or whatever. You know I'm what all, I mean? Listen, I'm I'm forever saying that when we get calls yeah. in about people uh, who are you know directly talking about a neighbour or God, God, yeah. you know what's going on. That you don't know what goes on behind closed you doors, don't. and people are really good at hiding, particularly if they're struggling. Uh, and and you would know, I, I assume, that some of the families will open up to you. These are families who are making huge sacrifices just trying to make ends meet. Exactly. And, and I mean, you know, we have been in a position where we've been able to signpost people to, to MABs, you know, MABs who would help them with their finance. And, you know, uh, maybe people wouldn't know, but there is a hardship fund available through Electric Ireland and MABS and you know what I mean if you're in trouble with your bill you could go there there's lots of people that are happy to help and it's so important that people reach out because you know people want to help there's always a solution there's always a solution but some people are if, if, if you're that deep maybe in debt or you know the worry of you're trying to keep up with your bills you know what I mean but Sometimes, like you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know what I mean? That's all you're by doing. Tuesday, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, and by Tuesday, there could be nothing. Yeah, there. you're just chasing you know your I mean? tail, so, yeah. All right, yeah, listen, you're, mean, you're, you're all doing fantastic uh, work at uh, Feed Cork. And if anybody wants to contribute, you'd love to hear oh, from them, I take it, Jerry. Oh, we would absolutely, because you know what? Even running our cafe, now, um, again, we'll have the bills to even to keep it all running, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's you know, we, we have to keep it running and we do depend on people funding us. As I say, a couple of cups of coffee will make a massive difference to our family. OK, listen, keep so doing... So the I Donate button is on our page, Patricia, on or Feed if Corp. you want to contact us. Yeah. OK, listen, you do amazing okay. work. Well done to you and the volunteers. Oh, so Take much. care. We'll speak thank again. God bless. She's a great lady. That is uh, Sharon Mullins, who is the volunteer coordinator at, at Feed Cork. And, you know, if you need this, it's no judgment. If you need a bit of help, please do reach out. We have so many fantastic charities. It's shocking to think that we're sending people to charities. But unfortunately, that is the reality of where we are at the moment. 0818 103 103. Bernie is taking your calls. And thank you to a number of people offering advice to uh, Mary who contacted us about her daughter who's having the problem trying to get through to the tax office. She's on emergency tax nobody seems to be answering the phones you can't call in in person anymore into the Cork office they, they close to the public because of Covid and they, they seem to have remained closed and there doesn't seem to be anybody answering the phones there I don't know why a number of people have sent on the same number it's a Dublin number 738-3636 and we'll pass that one on uh, to Mary as well to make sure that her daughter gets the number with somebody else saying ring that ring that Dublin number 01738-3636 you will get through to the tax office you may have to stay on hold but stay on hold you will get to speak to a human being which is what Mary's daughter wants to do but somebody else has said make sure she has her PPS number when she rings bit of patience but you will get through and Joe and Kilmalik has a suggestion why the powers that be are putting the budget together why don't they bring down the price of the property tax? That would help all property owners. 0818 103 103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And on our citizens' information slot this week, we're going to focus on supports that are currently available for the farming community. And we'll also be taking a look at housing uh, grant. And uh, joining me uh, this month is Karen Crowley, who's the information officer with South Munster Citizen Information Service based in Mallow. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. And you're, you're very welcome. Now, currently, various services are reopening to, to the public. Any change in your situation at the local information offices? Yeah, at the moment, while we're still providing most of our services via phone and email, we are seeing appoint- people by appointment in most of our offices at this, at this stage. We usually arrange appointments in situations where we're unable to help over the phone. So I would always say, give us a call. We'll talk to the query and the appropriate way of responding. And we do recognise that some issues are best dealt with face-to-face. And when that's the case, we will arrange an appointment for you. Yeah, particularly say filling forms in and things. You yeah. really need to be sitting okay. down, down with someone. Now, today we're looking at farmers' entitlements. What information and supports are available for farmers with the citizens' information? Well, we provide information, advice and advocacy across a broad range of topics of interest to, to the listeners. And one of those is workers. And that, of course, includes farmers. We would generally deal with any entitlements to social welfare benefits. If we don't have the answers, we will refer you to someone who does. So what do you define as a farmer? A farmer for the purposes of social welfare is if you farm land that you own or lease and that you use for the purpose of husbandry. And husbandry means working the land with the aim of taking produce from that land. Okay, does the farmer have a right to any entitlements? Absolutely, yes, they do. The most common payments we deal with for farmers on a low income are farm assist and the rural social scheme. Okay, let's start with the farm assist. Explain to us how that works. So farm assist is a means-tested payment for low-income farmers. And to qualify for it, you must be a farmer. You must be farming the land in the state, be aged between 18 and 66, and also satisfy a means test. Now, this um, payment is provided by the Department of Social Protection. And there is also a similar social welfare payment for fishermen and women called Fish Assist. Okay, wasn't aware of that. Me Um, neither. Yeah, so what happens when you apply for Farm Assist? When you apply for farm assist, a social welfare inspector will call to see you and ask to see various documents. So you're going to need to have these ready. So, for example, accounts prepared for tax purposes, creamery returns, cattle registration cards, details details of headage payments and area aid. And they will also want information on the sale of crops, cattle, milk and other produce. Basically, they're going to be looking at all of your sources yeah. of income. Yeah, because it's, it's means tested. I mean, this is yeah. what it is, isn't, isn't it? How do you access it? In order to access the payment, you complete a form called Farm One and you return this form to your local intro centre or social welfare branch office. Now, you can get the forms from ourselves um, or any local citizens information centre. And then uh, how, how would somebody know if they're entitled to it, you know, that they would qualify or they're in the range to qualify? There's actually an online calculator for pharmacists on the IFA website, so that's ifa.ie, and this will help you work out whether you are eligible for pharmacists. Now, the other thing to remember with pharmacists is some payments are almost like gateway payments, so they open you up to other payments. So there are other benefits available if you're getting pharmacists, and we call these extra social welfare benefits. So you could be looking at the following. So you fuel allowance, which is very relevant at the moment. Absolutely. So a payment to help with the cost of heating your home during the winter, a medical card. Many farmers qualify for medical cards even if they're not on a social welfare payment because, again, this is a means-tested payment. So you would apply on the medical card form or online at medicalcard.ie and I will always say to people, never assume 
that you won't qualify. People, it's a huge mistake people make for medical card. Always apply and see what happens. Now, you can also look at applying for back-to-school clothing and footwear allowance and rent supplement or the housing assistance payment if you're renting your home. And, of course, there's this rural social scheme and community employment programmes. All well. right, so it does. It is a gateway, as you say, to open up to it to others. Now, you mentioned at the start that there's two uh, schemes. One is pharmacist. The other is the rural social scheme. So can you explain that one? So the rural social scheme, this is aimed at low-income farmers and fishermen and women. In the scheme, you get a top-up payment in return to providing services to your community. So work under the scheme can include things like maintaining walking routes and bog roads, social care and care of older people, community care for preschool and after-school groups. That's just a sample. That there are many there are more. Many more. How, many, how many hours uh, would somebody have to work? You would generally work 19 and a half hours per week, but these hours are based on a farmer-friendly schedule, so participation in the scheme won't affect your farming activities. Now, to qualify, you must either be getting pharmacists or be actively farming and getting another social welfare payment. So if you run something like job stickers allowance or disability allowance, you may also qualify. And you would need to actively prove that you're farming. So in order to do this, you must provide confirmation of your application for the basic payment scheme. So that's, a, that's an agri scheme for the current year and also a valid herd number. Does a person who is farming, do they pay PRSI and how does that work for the farming community? Yep, they do. They pay uh, Class S PRSI, the same as any other self-employed person. And these Class S contributions cover you for a limited number of payments. So it's going to cover you for things like maternity, adoptive and paternity benefit. It'll also cover for widows, widows or surviving civil partners contributory pension. Uh, the state pension contributory goes towards that. The treatment benefit scheme and invalidity pension. Now, invalidity pension is new. Um, in the last few years, it was added, and it was a great breakthrough to get that added. Unfortunately, illness benefit is not there yet, but hopefully we'll see yeah, that soon. Yeah, there's been a big campaign to try to get that included. Yeah. Okay, so there's a lot there for farmers, and the big one is for farmers, you know, reach out and find out, see, are you entitled to, to something? That's what you would always say, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And my, my motto is always apply for it, because... Yeah. It's never going to be offered to you and yeah. you won't get it unless you apply for it. You have to, you have to, go, you have to go searching for it. Now, let's yeah. move to housing grants and obviously, Karen, with the rising uh, cost of living, what, what's available under housing grants at the moment? So there are a few options available at the moment depending on your individual circumstances. And the first one I'm going to look at today is the grant for solar panels. Uh, everybody's chatting about it. Yeah, so, yeah. Especially with the rising cost of electricity. Yeah, it's it's certainly one that, again, you see more and more people getting interested uh, in this. And I know grants have, have gone up, which is good news. So firstly, who provides that grant? So the Solar Electricity Grant provides a once-off grant towards the purchase and installation of PV panels for your home. It's administered by the SEAI, so that's Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. And you must apply for the grant and receive a grant offer from the SEAI before you get your solar panels and start any work. So that sentence tells me that they're not going to offer retrospective payments. Okay, so make so sure and get approval first. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have to meet certain criteria, obviously, to qualify? Yep, of course you do. So to be uh, to qualify for it, you must be the owner of a home built and occupied before 2021. You must use new materials and products that were not already covered under another grant scheme. You must use a registered company from the SEAI's registered list of companies. Again, you must use a registered safe Electric Ireland electrician. 
you must apply to ESB networks to be connected to the electricity distribution network. Um, let's see what else is there now. You must provide a declaration of work signed by the installer. And you must have a BER, your building energy rating, carried out after the work is completed. And we would also say to give a quick look at the solar PV code of practice because they'll have other bits and bobs in there that you're going to need to be able to tick off. Yeah, I've, I've noticed there's more and more of these one-stop shops that cover everything and will do everything for you and help yeah, you through the grant. Great. Yeah, they, they, they really are good. Is there anything then I should consider before applying for a solar electricity? grant? So there's a number of things to consider but I suppose the couple of most important ones before applying for the grant would be do you need planning permission and whether you should insulate your home first. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how much is the grant worth? So the grant gets depends on the peak output of your solar system. That sounds like a galaxy far far away to me. (laughs) But the peak output um, which is measured in kilowatt peaks, you get 900 euros for one kilowatt all the way up to 2,400 for four kilowatt peaks. And the grant covers materials and labour, unless you're a contractor doing the work yourself. In this case, only the cost of the materials will be covered. Yes, that's really down to the more the more panels you put in, the more uh, you're going to be able to get grant-wise. Insulating your house then before getting solar panels, you mentioned that. So the SEI recommends that you would insulate your home before considering solar panels as insulation is the easiest way to reduce your energy costs, as we're all aware, I'd say, at this stage. You can apply for the following grants with the SEI to insulate your home and improve its overall energy efficiency. So you have three grants, and they're called the Better Energy Home Scheme, the Better Energy Warmer Home Scheme, and the National Home Energy Upgrade Scheme. And some of these schemes include the Solar Electricity Grant as one of their efficiency measures, but you may have to apply for it separately. And obviously, if you want any more information on these grants, it's better to give us a call and we can go through the options. Absolutely. You. you mentioned about looking into planning permission for solar panels. Do you need planning permission? Generally, you don't need planning permission to install solar panels on your home as long as you meet certain conditions. And these are outlined in the guide, in the Solar PV Grant Application Guide. But you know what? I'd give my local authority Get a, a checked. call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ring, if you're in Mallow area, you know, ring the council in Annabella and just double check it. Okay, and then staying on housing, what other grants are currently available? So there's quite a few grants available at the moment and your individual circumstances affect which one you'll qualify. But some of the more common grants available are, for one, you have the Housing Aid for Older, older Persons Scheme. And this aims to improve the living conditions of older people by carrying out minor repairs to the main areas of their homes. So the type of work that is grant aided varies from one authority to another. So again, you'd be giving you giving your local council a call. But in general, they include structural repairs or improvements, rewiring, repair or replacement of windows and doors, the provision of water, sanitary services or heating, cleaning and painting, radon remediation and any other type of repair or work considered necessary. So check your local authority and see which ones that they cover. Okay, and uh, how much is the grant worth? That particular grant, which covers some of the costs needed, but not all of it, is up to a maximum of €8,000 or 95% of the cost of work approved by the local authority. 95%, that's high. It's, it's, yeah. it's not too bad, but yeah. it is There's small, yeah, and, and it depends is, on your household income. Yeah, and well. it is small jobs as well. What yeah. about somebody then who needs an adaptation to their house, a person with disability? So that's a much bigger job, as we know. So for that, you'd be looking at the Housing Adaptation Grant for people with a disability. 
and if you need to adapt your home to meet the needs of a member of the household who has limited mobility or has a disability, you would look at the housing adaptation grant. The grant helps you make changes and adaptations to your home, such as making it wheelchair accessible, extending it, you might need to add on a new room to create more space, adding a ground floor bathroom or a toilet or a stair lift or even an elevator if that was needed and approved of. Yeah, yeah. And people can, for all different reasons, develop a disability. The house was fine one day and suddenly, with because conditions have changed, uh, you, can't, you no longer live in the house. How much is that grant worth? So if your household income is less than 30,000, you may qualify for, again, 95% of the cost of the works, up to the maximum grant amount of 30,000 euros. So the proportion of the cost to be grant aided will be tapered from 95% down to 30%, again, depending on your income. But I would always say put in for it and see what they come yeah, back. Yeah. And is that the only grant for adapting your house or is there, are there others? No, there's actually another one and it's called the Mobility Aids Grant Scheme. It comes under this category, but it tends to be used for lesser work. So it provides grants for work designed to address uh, mobility problems in the home. For example, the grant can be used for the purchase and installation of handrails. It's mainly for older people, but people with disabilities can also access it. The amount of assistance you get under the scheme is less than under the Housing Age for Older Persons scheme and the Adaptation Grant, but it's a really useful scheme if you need minor adaptations or improvements done quickly, and it tends to be approved a little bit quicker. The maximum grant available is €6,000, and this will cover 100% of the cost. Of the yeah, work. and sometimes it's just grab rails in the shower so that somebody can live independently and do their own yeah. showers, but they, they need to have the grab rails. Yeah. OK, and then what is the Better Energy Warmer Homes scheme? What's that one all about? So this scheme aims to improve the energy efficiency and warmth of homes owned by people on low income. So you'll generally be on some form of social welfare payment. It's operated by the SEAI and is available nationwide. It covers attic insulation, draft proofing, lagging jackets, energy efficient bulbs, cavity wall insulation and energy advice. OK, and I know you've just touched on so many grants uh, that are available. But and as you said at one stage, nobody will come knocking on your door with these grants. You have to apply for them y- yourself. So contact local citizens information. Oh, absolutely, because that's just a sample of the grants and there are a few more available. And if anybody needs more information or they're interested, give our service a call or check our website, citizensinformation.ie. Usually it's just a case of give a call and talk to our information officers because we will go through your circumstances with you. And as always, the service is free and confidential. You can contact us here in Mallow on 0818 or Bantry on 0818 We're always happy to take your calls and obviously you don't have a pen to hand, so look up our, our um our numbers on the website citizensinformation.ie OK always a mine of information Karen thank you for that we'll speak again Very in the welcome. coming months thanks for joining us uh, that is Karen Crowley Information Officer South Munster Citizen Information Service based on a man a couple of queries in some of them of which hopefully we have some answers for firstly hi Patricia I mentioned that I got my Covid booster on Saturday that prompted somebody to say how long after you've had Covid can you get your booster shot it is four months four months from when you tested positive for, for COVID for example I had COVID back in March so therefore I was uh, the four months was gone I was able to get my booster on Saturday so four months I don't know when you actually had COVID so counted up from there 
Then there was a question in from Anne in Mayfield. She's got tickets for Garth Brooks next Sunday. And Garth Brooks fans must be just getting so excited. They've waited so many years for this series of uh, concerts. Anyway, the reason Anne in Mayfield contacted us, her tickets are in the Cusack stand. And she wants to know, because she hasn't been to Coke Park, she wants to know, are there lifts available in the Cusack stand? So I'm assuming there's some kind of mobility issues either for Anne or somebody that Anne is travelling with. I went on to cokepark.ie and they have lots of information about wheelchair accessible and accessibility. They do recommend where possible that patrons with special or accessible needs purchase tickets for the lower Cusick stand. So I don't know from your call and where exactly in the Cusack stand you are. But you in, you particularly wanted to know was there lifts? There are, there certainly are lifts. There are wheelchair spaces for example located on level four on, on the, in the Cusack uh, stands and what happens is if somebody has one of their those wheelchair spaces booked you get directed to lifts where appropriate. So there certainly are lifts available. So I would suggest if it's a mobility issue and that you have difficulty with stairs just go point it out to the stewards they're a really helpful bunch and they will help you out so there definitely are, are lifts but they do say where possible if you can be in the lower Cusack stand but I, I, don't, I don't know if you can tell from your ticket or not if you're in the lower one or not but listen go off to the concert and absolutely enjoy it if you're a Garth Brook fan you no doubt are getting very very excited about it and then somebody very early this morning was on to us by what's or by text and I needed to try and find the answer for this gentleman this is Danny in Kinsale was on to say morning Patricia can you help me please I pressed the reset button on my remote control and now I've lost everything on my TV can you ask any of your listeners what is the password for the Amazon Fire TV stick thanking you now I don't have an Amazon Fire stick so I checked it out online to see what the password is now I I was kind of thinking there won't be one standard generic password everyone will have their own password and that is the case so what Danny in Kinsale needs to do now you can either do this yourself Danny or if you think this all sounds too complicated get somebody to help you but what you need to do is you need to go to password assist and then when you're prompted you'll be asked either to give them an email address or your mobile phone number which is associated with your Amazon account and then you select continue and what will happen then is they will send you a one time uh, password they'll either send it to the email or they'll send it to your mobile phone whichever you, you put in and then you'll enter that and select continue and that allows you then to create a new password and once you've your new password up and running your TV will be back on now hopefully you're, you're able to do all that yourself if you're not get somebody to help you out and if they literally just Google Amazon Fire Stick password it all comes up and it is easy to sort it out from there good luck and I know it's dreadful to be without your TV 0818103103 we are looking for questions for Annalise Drussell please our nutritional therapist I can already see some coming in keep those coming please uh, you can text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. Different topics coming in. Oh, Mary was back on to us. Remember Mary was on to us earlier because her daughter has spent months trying to get through to the tax office in Cork. Nobody answering the phones there. It's just when she rings, you're told to go online and they give you the information in Irish and in English. Anyway, poor Mary's daughter has been online and is just not able to sort out the issue with paying emergency tax. So she 
we threw it out to see had anybody else managed to get through to the tax office and was there a number that we could point Mary to and we got a Dublin number now people did say you may need to be patient but they will have, you will eventually get to speak to a human being which is what Mary's daughter wants just can I talk to somebody who's able to sort out my issue here someone else has said ring this number make sure you have your PPS number Mary's been back on and would you believe They've already spoken to the Dublin tax office on that Dublin number that some of our listeners suggested. And guess what? Mary's daughter has got sorted and it'll be the end of her paying emergency tax and she should be in for a nice little bit of, she'll get the money back. Well, you used to, I'm sure you still do. Any extra that you pay the tax man. It's great to give it back if you have overpaid. So good to hear. And Mary was back on, just wants to, to thank everyone. And as I say, a lot, a lot of people have discovered this Dublin telephone number the Cork office unfortunately stopped having callers calling in due to COVID and they haven't reopened and for some reason they're just not answering their phones they direct you online which is the way the, way the world is going isn't it they want everybody to do everything online and sometimes you can't do everything online you need to speak to a human being either across a desk or you need to speak to somebody on the phone and it can be so frustrating if you're sitting listening to Green Sleeves normally is the song that plays over and over and then that annoying message that will come from different service providers saying your call is important to us please hold (laughs) at this stage you're kind of losing the will because you've been on the phone for God knows how long it's very very frustrating so thank you Mary for telling us that and good to know that your daughter has been sorted out now on electricity and electricity charges going so high and people saying you know we're all trying to do our bit but yet the standing charges are still there and people are frustrated about the standing uh, charges James in Cloyne reckons some people are very careless about their electricity use and he cites for example people leaving televisions on or leaving mobile phones uh, plugged in and I know leaving your phone, your TV on standby seemingly drains and we all are guilty of that or leaving you know any like a a computer on standby seemingly. I, do you know something, James? We're probably all guilty of being careless about our electricity usage. But I think if we start getting in very, very high electricity bills this coming winter, I think we're all going to be running around telling people switch off lights if that TV isn't being used, disconnected from the wall. I mean, everyone remembers the, and it, it still happens in some households, don't leave the immersion on. I think the immersion certainly won't be left on in many, many households. I think we're all going to stop being careless about our electricity use in the hope of trying trying to save a little bit of uh, money. 0818103103. Hi, Patricia. John in Carrigaline says, is it not time that we hit the streets? Time for talking is over. People are sick of being robbed for daily basic essentials. It's a pure disgrace. All the government will say is this is a worldwide issue. To me, that's a bit like the excuse they used for the recession back in 2007, says John in Carrigaline. Do we need to get out and protest? There'll be a number of people who will agree with you on that, John. 0818103103. Una says, Patricia, just to mention, back to the standing uh, charges, they, that, that they are 68 cent to 76 cent per day. In Does it vary from company to company, Una? It obviously does. In my case, my units cost around 110 euro and charges were around 60 euro which is about half, including VAT, thanking you. And Una was who had initially got on to us 
about the standing charge thing. She's been really kind of frugal and well, vigilant is the word she used rather than frugal. But she's been really vigilant about keeping her units down to a minimum. And yet the, the bill came in to discover that nearly half of it had gone in standing charges and there's carbon tax on that as well. And of course, then there's VAT on top of it all. I sense your frustration, uh, Una, for sure. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. Keep your questions coming for Annalise. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Now, the Can Talk Cancer Support is returning to in-room bereavement support uh, groups. It's for any adult bereaved by cancer, no matter when you lost your loved one. There will be a meeting in September, October, November and December in Fomoy Community Resource Centre. That's on McCurtain Street and in Lakela on Fair Street in Mallow. If you'd like to book a place, you can phone or text 089 239 and you can also email cantalk15 at gmail.com There will be a traditional Irish music uh, session in Church Street in Newmarket tonight from 9pm to 11. Admission is free and refreshments will be provided and all are very welcome. It's part of the Newmarket Autumn Festival. There's a used clothes collection in Gagan Hall. It's on this evening between 7 and 8. If you've any unused clothes, bags, shoes, belts, sheets, duvet covers, towels or curtains, please drop them off and it's to help raise funds for Gagan Hall. Good quality soft toys are also being accepted, but they can't take pillows, duvets or plastic toys. And Mitchellstown Girl Guides. I was a girl guide and I loved every minute of it. They're holding an information evening in the Forest Hall tomorrow, Tuesday, between half six and half seven, with a view to reopening the Ladybirds, the Brownies and the Girl Guides. It offers a varied and exciting programme for girls and young women aged 5 to 26 with opportunities for leaders of all ages. Would you be interested? Would your little girls be interested? Call Liz on 087 768 9875. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Now I have a slew of people looking for the number that I gave out for the tax office, particularly when Mary's daughter had so much success, managed to get through this morning and she got sorted out with her issue of being on emergency tax for the last number of months. Okay, it's a Dublin number, so it's 01 Bear with them if uh, you might have a little bit of a wait. It depends. Sometimes obviously you're busier than others. So, but stay on the line. Somebody eventually will speak to you and you do need to have your PPS number. So have that with you and ready because there's nothing worse. You get through to somebody, have your PPS number there and you don't and you're frantically going to look for it. So have your PPS number at the uh, ready. 01-738-3636. Glad to uh, pass that on. Little bit of good news for anyone listening to us who maybe got a leaving cert result last week or uh, is going back into college or you have a son or daughter going into college and there's the whole thing around the expense of going to uh, college. It seems up to 88,000 students 
will benefit from a cut to the college contribution uh, charge. Now, we're all told that we've got free education in this uh, country. And at one stage and at one time, they removed the cost of paying fees to go to third level. And then they introduced what was called a registration fee. And it was quite low when it first began. And every single year it seemed to go up and up and up. And I remember at the time when the college registration fee was brought in, people said, watch this. It'll just get more expensive and more expensive. And people were of the feeling, you know, it's college fees by the back door. But they never called them fees. What they called them instead, they changed the name then. The registration fee got changed to college contribution charge. And it currently stands at €3,000, which can be a lot of money for families trying to put a young person through college. And you can have families who will have more than one son or daughter all heading to college at the same time. And each college student has to pay this €3,000. Anyway, there could be a bit of good news if you're going to college or you have a son or daughter going to college because there's talks as part of the budget it will get announced at the end of the the month that there will be a cut to that €3,000 college contribution charge. Anything of a cut from €250 to €1,000 and it's actually Simon Harris, the higher education uh, minister. Now he's obviously in battle with the public expenditure bosses for a reduction which would be announced on budget day 27th of uh, September and they've looked at how much it would cost the exchequer by reducing it by €250, by reducing it by €500. They've also looked at things like reducing it by €750 or that top rate, reducing it by €1,000. Now, a €1,000 cut would certainly be really, really welcome, but that would cost the Exchequer £85 so I don't know. Now, they've got a lot of money at the moment, so they may be able to uh, do it. And the Minister, by the way, Simon Harris, is also pressing for immediate relief for families. So if the cut gets announced on the 27th, whatever it's, it would be, anything from 250 to €1,000, he is insisting that the cut kicks in for the upcoming academic year 2022 to 2023. And it's all part of special cost of living uh, package that will be unveiled for third level students as part of budget 2023. Now, all the figures are set out in this new paper on the cost of higher education that obviously his department must bring to the public expenditure bosses. And you've got every individual department at government level all fighting for their slice of the cake. I mean, only last week we heard there's even more money come in through taxes and corporation uh, taxes. And there's a lot of money. Now, there are, I know the government are talking about a rainy day fund, but, you know, some people are looking out the window saying it's bucketing down at the moment. The money, There's money there. Money needs to be spent now. So the Department for Higher Education, they are putting in their paper on what they want as part of the budgetary process. The education options paper sets out also the costs associated with reducing further the burden on families through increasing the number of students who receive the SUSE uh, grants are either get allow more young people get the SUSE grant or else those who qualify for the SUSE grant increase the grant rates. Now this year the qualifying income thresholds for grants that did increase by a thousand euro and the paper is recommending that that be reviewed annually so that it would go up every year. There was also an across the board rise of 200 euro in student grants for the next academic year, bringing the top rate, which I'm told is paid to about eleven and a half thousand 
most disadvantaged students they are the ones who are living further away from uh, college or a minimum distance away from the college uh, their their Susie grant for this year is 6,000 115 uh, euro but the the biggest single group in receipt of Susie grants are just under 18,000 and they're the ones that live closer to to the college so the the idea there is that they may be able to commute so they will receive 3,225 now will that increase we're going to have to wait and see but it does look like something is going to be done for families who have sons or daughters at third level education because they really are struggling and then for some students there is the option of commuting I mean we would have a lot of people living in Cork County who would commute into the city to go to college but they are depending then on public transport so there's a further bit of good news there uh, with the the announcement that I was reading in the papers of half price public transport fare for young adults under the age of 24 is now going to be extended to private bus companies. This is the Transport Minister, Eamon Ryan. He said that the 50% fare reduction for all young people aged 19 to 23 and up to their 24th birthday will now be available on commercial bus services from next week. The formal announcement is going to come from the National Transport Authority later today, so keep a listen out for that. The 50% fare reduction for young people, that was introduced in the budget last year. Now, it was put as a permanent measure, but it, it got... It, now, that was one of the ones that got announced last year, but didn't come into effect until May. I mean, that's what we're expecting will be different in the budget of this year, that a lot of the measures particularly the one-off measures that they announced, people won't be waiting until the new year. They will they will come in. Because I remember when that fare reduction was brought in, people were saying that's great. But then, of course, the thing on the table was it didn't come in until May. So Eamon Ryan said that he is well aware of the importance of commercial bus services, particularly in many parts of the country, less well served by the state services transport. And he said many people... Uh, also use commercial buses to get to and from college so it's good news that the half price fare will now be available on even more services across the country and the fact that that 50% reduction is for young people up to their 24th birthday in the main it is going to help out people going to third level so look out for that announcement from the National Transport Authority later today expected to be in from next uh, week now last week on the programme we ran with an interview where we were talking about the Sea Change programme, which is a national programme dedicated to try to end the stigma and the discrimination that often surrounds mental health. And we were talking about their annual Green Ribbon campaign that runs across the month of September. And if you see anyone wearing a green ribbon, and actually I was in doing some shopping in Tesco on Saturday and I noticed all the staff had the little green ribbons on and I thought, oh, how fantastic. And because I'd done the interview, I knew what the Green Ribbon campaign was. And the idea is if you see anyone wearing the green ribbon, it means they're open to talking about mental health, either your mental health or their own mental health. And it just it encourages people to have that conversation. Well, that has prompted a letter, handwritten letter in from a listener who doesn't want her name mentioned online. And that is fine for the sake of reading it out. We'll call her Anne. And Anne has uh, written to talk about the fact that Anne suffered in the past from depression. And she said depression is the most terrible illness anyone can have to suffer from in his or her life. It renders a person to the lowest point in one's life. It starts slowly, making a person forgetful, 
lonely, useless and full of fear for the future. I have read about depression, says Anne. I've studied my condition, studied attitudes, doctors, therapists, etc. And I've attended doctors and therapists, but I've no control over it. There are more people out there looking for support as they go through this illness. It is said that happiness is a fleeting thing. It's not constant. But all people need is to be content and have peace of mind. So why do people have to suffer this condition on their own? It's mostly due, Suzanne, to the stigma that prevents us, people who suffer from depression, from speaking out about it. I'm a member of the organisation GROW. It's a self-help programme which has helped me to cope. People attend the meetings one day or one night a week and they learn the positive steps to recovery. Meetings last two hours. It's a safe space. You can tell your story in a confidential and in a friendly setting. I have to put pen to paper as I am thankfully recovered for another while. Perhaps people can write in letters of their own condition and have counsellors like Joe Heffernan giving a bit of advice, a bit of advice and help. I know Joe is on your programme every week and he does a wonderful job on C103. It's my opinion that radio and TV can be a great support for people struggling and battling with uh, depression. And this is a story written from the heart. It's my story. And that's from Anne. It says, please keep um, my name uh, off the airways, which uh, absolutely we do. Good to know that you have recovered and good to know that you're helping yourself. And it's great advice there. And Grow is certainly an organisation. We've heard Joe mention on this programme before. And actually, we've had other listeners who have contacted us whenever we deal with that topic of depression. Certainly with Joe's slot, we've had other people contact us to say how fantastic and what a vital link Grow was in people learning to cope and deal with uh, depression. So to continued good mental health to you, Anne. And thank you for sharing your story with us. 0818 103 103. We are looking for your questions for Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. You can text, you can WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And Annalise Drussell, the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. And you're very welcome. And lots of questions in. Let's start with uh, this one who says, for obvious reasons, please withhold my name. I know there's no quick fix, but any advice, please. I've got a college age son who is very gassy with a lot of flatulence. Now, I would describe him as tall and slim. He doesn't have what you'd describe a horrible diet, but he doesn't eat a lot of fruit and veg and he certainly doesn't eat good grains. He's on meds for mild asthma. He's also on antidepressants. Any thoughts on supplements, please? He's in a very good place mentally at the moment, which is fantastic uh, to hear. Now, I know this flatulence problem came up last week as well. There isn't a quick fix, sure there isn't? Um, well, I suppose the quick, the only quick fix that's available, and it is very, very useful if you have to be somewhere, is to take something called activated charcoal, and that kind of binds the wind within, uh, and then you just would excrete it out as normal when you go for a bowel movement. Um, but it's a pain; they're a bit of a pain because you need to take about three or four capsules or a teaspoon of the powder before you eat a meal, and again about half an hour afterwards, and you need to do that every time you eat. So it's really only going to 
solve the problem on a, on a day where you're actually going to have to be somewhere you want to be secure that you're not going to be passing wind. So it doesn't fix the problem. It just takes care of it immediately. So generally what happens with wind, basically wind is a buildup of gas inside your digestive system where bacteria ferment food. There's a question that I ask, Patricia, and it gives me a lot of information, and I know it's going to sound terrible, but I'm so used to talking about it, I don't blink an eyelid. Um, so it's, is it silent but deadly? And if it is, that's more an indication that maybe you're not digesting fats or proteins very efficiently. And the second question then, is it loud and proud? And if it's loud and proud, that's more of a fermentation thing. So if you can get a digestive enzyme, one will, that will support fast digestion and protein digestion will be one that has a little bit of HCL in there. Now, HCL is an acid that's found normally in the stomach, and it just helps to kickstart the process of digestion very efficiently. So um, that would be the first thing to try there. If there is a more loud and proud, make sure you get an enzyme that has got a lot of cellulase, C-E-L-L-U-L-A-S-E. It breaks down the cellulose in plants. And you need something with amylase, which breaks down carbohydrates. Um, so I would suggest trying a digestive enzyme first. If that doesn't take care of the problem, you probably need to rule out something maybe like lactose intolerance. That could be another reason from a lot of dairy. Another reason as well could be overeating kind of simple carbs like white bread and sugars because they would be very quickly fermented. And for some people, it is because there's bacteria that have moved up into the small intestine. In the small intestine, the only thing really that should be happening is, happening is breaking down your food into fats, carbohydrates, proteins, vitamins, and minerals ready for absorption. But if you've bacteria that have made their way up in there, and that can happen if you're on antibiotics or other medications, they start fermenting the food as soon as it comes out of your stomach. And that leads to a lot of trapped wind, um, discomfort, feeling full, bloating, and then, of course, wind. Some people get very bad constipation or diarrhea as a result. And that's something that needs to be treated with antifungals and antibacterial herbs that will give it a good clean out before starting again. Okay, so lots of different but good suggestions there. Okay, fungal. Yvonne says, could you ask Annalise, would she recommend, what would she recommend for an, a toenail fungal? Yeah, so the best thing that we find in the shop, there's different things if you go online that you'll read. One will be tea tree, one will be organo oil, um, but the one that we find works the best is the grapefruit seed extract. So it's, it's exactly what it is. It's the bitter extract from the seed of grapefruits. You don't take it. You actually apply it directly onto the foot, onto the toe and the skin around. I'd actually also recommend that people use it to disinfect the inside of kind of trainers, any of those soft cloth shoes, because the fungus can still remain in those. You could also put a few drops in with your washing just to um, kill off fungus and socks and things. Um, so I'd suggest that people put that on um, directly to the toe and any part of the foot where the fungus is, a couple, like in the morning before you get dressed again at night before you go to bed, and then once or twice a week do a foot bath with it where you put about 10 drops of it in to some warm water and let soak your feet so it gets right in under the toenail. And a word of warning that it's that the toenail will go black. Yeah. Um, but it should grow up, and the new healthy nail coming up underneath will be normal colour. But bear in mind that our fingernails take about six weeks to grow. Our toenails could take about 12 weeks to grow up. So there'll be time before you notice the benefit. Okay. Hi, Annalise. I got my bloods checked to discover my cholesterol is a bit on the high side. First time it's ever happened. Uh, What would Annalise suggest to try to get it back down? So I'd always suggest um, diet first, Patricia, because 
that really, like, there's no point being on a tablet to manage your cholesterol if your diet is still very unhealthy because every, it's only one marker for health disease. There's lots of other markers. So another marker that I'd be more concerned about would be the triglycerides. If you see those starting to rise, triglycerides are kind of, um, it's a, a sort of a, uh, it's formed when the sugars in the diet are very high and they get converted into fats and they're carried and transported around the body as triglycerides. So if they're high, you'd be at much more likely chance of heart disease, but also type 2 diabetes, um, which I think, again, is much bigger predictor of heart disease than high cholesterol. So in terms of your diet, a lot of people would kind of cut down hugely on the saturated fats, but replace it then with lots of carbohydrates, which I think is a bad idea. So I think the best thing to do is allow yourself have your red meat three times a week, maybe a piece of cheese a couple of times a week. Don't worry about eggs because they're definitely really not linked to elevated cholesterol, which is what most people think. Um, and then try and replace the meat with some fish a couple of times a week, particularly the oily fish. The oily fish is very good for driving your good cholesterol up because of the omega-3s. And if you don't like fish, you'll also get omega-3 fats in pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, linseeds, um, and you can get those ground and sprinkle them onto your porridge in the morning. Porridge is a great start to the day because the porridge oats have a fiber that binds cholesterol and help your body get rid of it. So that's great to introduce. And make sure you're getting about eight portions of fruit and veg a day. Another tip is to put a tablespoon of lecithin, L-E-C-I-T-H-I-N. It comes from soya and it's, it, it helps the body make bile, which can kind of flush cholesterol out of the system as well so you could put a tablespoon of that with the ground seeds on your porridge and that's like a really heart healthy with some lovely berries breakfast cereal and if you want to take a supplement you could try the flora proactives or the benicols they're full of plant sterols that fool your body into thinking it's made enough cholesterol so it stops making it you can also get that in tablet form and it's called zero col if you don't like fish, you could take an omega-3 supplement. And then if it's very, very high, there is something called red rice yeast, which does exactly the same as the statin does. And that will bring your cholesterol down very, very quickly. OK, because not everyone can take a statin that gets recommended by the doctor. Exactly. I think a lot of people get the side effects of yeah. loss of memory, sore muscles, feeling fatigued. A lot of people as well, Patricia, come in with sleeplessness. And one of the questions I always ask is, do you take your statin before you go to bed? Because I think it can interfere with people's sleep. So if you're that person, take your statin with your main meal, which would either be lunchtime or around six o'clock in the evening, and don't take it just before bed. OK. Hi, this is from Anne. Hi, Annalise. I'm taking, does, do sun in? 4,000 IU tablets or a vitamin D3 tablet, is it okay to take them long term? It is if you know what your vitamin D levels are. Um, the, the, that's quite a high amount, 4,000 IUs. I generally, if it's 400, that's okay. You can take those every day without really very ever having to worry about it. But 4,000 is quite high. So I recommend that everybody takes the vitamin D starting really by the end of this month for, uh, because I've just read a study that shows without question people are more likely to get, three times more likely to get COVID if their vitamin D levels are low. So start your vitamin D at the end of the month. And unless you know your levels are very low, 1000 IU is more than enough for healthy adults. Uh, if you have an autoimmune disorder, you could probably take a little bit higher, maybe 3,000 IUs. But that lady that's taking 4,000, I would suggest that you get your bloods checked the next time you go to your doctors and ask them to check your vitamin D because it is possible to have too much and there are, there are side effects from over 
uh, having too much vitamin D. So nothing dangerous that you're going to drop dead from, but the next time you're getting your blood checked, get, get it checked. checked. Okay. Hi, uh, Patricia. I wonder what does Annalise Lee's make of Revive Active Supplements? Or anything else she could recommend. I was in my local health shop recently and I got something called Be Energised in a capsule form for fatigue, etc. I'm taking one a day but feeling very tired at the moment. But I'm not sleeping well either. I walk most days about seven or eight kilometres. I'm in my mid-60s. Okay, so the Revive Active is a wonderful supplement. Um, it covers all the bases. It's a good multi, but there's a lot of stuff in there for heart health. And I think that's really good after COVID as well, Patricia, because I suspect a lot of the fatigue and breathlessness is coming from the effect that COVID has um, on the circulatory system. Um, so our cells are not getting enough oxygen. That's now, again, this is my opinion. From what I'm reading, it's not a medical fact. But um, so Revive Active can be a great one to, for, to cover all those bases, the heart, the energy and the general multi. I think that be energized as far as I know. We don't have it here in the shop, but I think there's some ginseng in it. And ginseng is a lovely herb that gives you a bit of a energy boost without the kind of the jittery feeling that caffeine might give you. But if it doesn't help reduce your fatigue overall, there's something else going on. And I always think you need to get to the root of um, fatigue because there's a number of different reasons. Certainly lack of sleep would be one of them. So that would be the first thing I'd attack. Would be try and get the sleep right because if you can get your good night's sleep, generally everything else would improve. Um, and then you could switch back to the Revive Active. You'll be the best judge yourself of knowing whether you feel better on that or the other one. But definitely I think Revive Active would be far more com- comprehensive. Okay, Helen Mallow has an overactive thyroid. Now it's actually going to be removed at some stage this year. This year, uh, waiting on a date. But the past two weeks, she says she's just been incredibly tired. What can she take to help out? That's a difficult one, really, Patricia, because with overactive thyroid, like normally you get that tiredness with underactive thyroid, and a lot of the time people's thyroids may be underactive because we're not getting enough iodine. In actual fact, um, my sister-in-law just told me that a lot of the baby formula in Germany is made from Irish milk because it's traditionally low in iodine. And that's because the soils in our country are very low in iodine and also we don't eat seafood. So anyone with a low thyroid could take iodine. But if your thyroid is overactive, you could feel worse rather than better. So I think you just need to go with a general booster supplement. The Source of Life Gold would be a good one. It might get you through uh, for a little bit. Again, the Revive Active might help too. But I think the problem is coming from the fact that the thyroid is overactive. So until that's resolved, you're only going to be putting a sort of a plaster effect uh, on it and giving yourself a kind of a temporary boost as opposed to resolving the issue. So you may need to take a supplement. like that. That Source of Life Gold, Patricia, has that ginseng in there which I love. I think it's fantastic. Plus everything that kind of covers your immune system and everything for your energy pathways as well. So I think of all of them, that would be the first one I'd choose for this, per- this person. Okay, John and Butterfant, could you please ask Annalise about Devil's Claw? I've been told it's good for pain relief, in particular arthritis. What's Annalise's opinion? Yeah, it's a lovely one. And actually, if you see the, the plant it comes from, it's from a South Africa plant that grows in the desert. It looks like a claw. It just looks like the way your hands go after, you know, when your arthritis gets really <laughs> bad. So we have it here in the shop. We get great feedback. We sell the dealer's Claire one. She does it in capsules. It's suitable for everybody unless you're on a blood thinner. So just check if you're on a blood thinner. It may also thin the blood slightly. And generally, you would see a benefit within two to four weeks of starting it. Um, so... 
the I think that Dr. A. Vogel does one as well. If you're if you're going to your local health shop, that's the one you'd be more likely to get. And it's just called Devil's Claw. And yes, I think it's a fantastic supplement. Okay, and one uh, final one. Hi, Annalise. I've been prescribed Prolia injections for bone health as I'm due to have dental work done. It's not possible while I'm on these injections. I'm wondering if there are any other alternative. The Prolia helps uh, to stop your bones breaking down. So it's an osteoporosis um, measure. And my own personal feeling, Patricia, is that there's, you, you, it's not just important to prevent your bones from breaking down. Our bones recycle themselves all the time. As we need to buffer our blood, our body takes calcium from bones and it puts it back on and the cells regenerate all the time. Every seven years, your bones nearly regenerate themselves. So the prolia stops your bones from breaking down, but it doesn't really do anything to build healthy bone. So my own personal feeling is that that's what we should be promoting. I think after a while on the prolia as well, you do have an increased risk of certain fractures, particularly of the femur, the big bone in the leg. So um, if your osteoporosis is very bad, we get great results with the Nature's Plus Garden Bone Support. It's um, pretty pricey, Patricia, but it really does work. Uh, But at the very, very least for your bones, you should be taking vitamin D, um, three vitamin K2 because D3 will help you absorb calcium from your diet. K2 will help to put it on the bones. Boron is another nice one as well. Vitamin C very important for kind of elastic, healthy bone that doesn't get brittle and break. And if you're very bad at calcium uh, foods in your diet, I would suggest taking a calcium and magnesium mix of a supplement as well. So that's um. Garden bone support covers all of that, Patricia. But okay, another well lovely one is the BioCare Osteoplex is good too. Okay, and somebody's saying, well done to Annalise. She really knows her stuff, doesn't she? Yeah. She absolutely does. And as always, in the afternoon, if you check out Annalise's website, healthhubstore.com, uh, you can hear and as Patricia, heard on the radio. Yeah? Could I just quickly mention, we're doing the eye tests again on the uh, 22nd of September. It's a Thursday. So anybody who'd like to book in for that, it's 25 quid and it just assesses the damage caused to your eyes by screens. UV light, etc., etc. So it's a very good way of making sure your eyes stay healthy. So if they ring the shop, we'll book them in, we'll sort them out. And you need to book in advance for an appointment, you have is to it? Book in advance okay. for an appointment, yeah. And what, what, what is the screening again? It's for the eye health. So we have a lady who comes in with a very sophisticated piece of machinery and it okay. checks the back of the eye to make sure that it hasn't been, da- how, you know, how damaged it is. It, it does get damaged as we get older, but you can prevent a lot of it. Okay, at the Health Hub store at Ballancotic. And when is it on? What date is that? It's, it's the Thursday, the 22nd of February. Okay. Later on in the month. Okay, listen, or next month, should I say? No, later on this, this month. month. This yes, month, sorry, September. sorry. Yes. Okay, listen, that's where I leave it. Have a great week. Thanks. And we'll, talk, we'll chat to you next Monday. That's Annalise Drissel of the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Ballancolic. Uh, just, I mentioned about the possible cuts. We're expecting cut to the third level grants. It's expected to be our, the the registration fees at college it's expected to be announced as part of the budget listener says Patricia my daughter is attending UL at present and we haven't been asked yet to pay those student uh, fees and I'm wondering now is what you've said that there's going to be a cut the explanation or the waiting for the budget in the hope that the reduction will be announced it is very very possible okay that's where I leave you for today my thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing she's filling in for John Paul uh, right across this week Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow morning for Tuesday's edition of the programme at 10 o'clock. On to the night, Patricia Messenger. Have yourself a really good afternoon. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.